This episode is brought to you by HealthMate Saunas. After much research and study into finding ways to increase my energy, all answers pointed towards incorporating saunas into my recovery. Infrared saunas differ from traditional saunas because they warm you from the inside out. Saunas provide deep relaxation and boost that energy through increased blood flow and also cleanse the system, release toxins and provide a deep detox. For me, I use my sauna at the end of a tough workout or after a busy working day. And of course, having the sauna conveniently in my house removes all obstacles of making it part of my weekly routine. I simply plug in my HealthMate to the usual household plug and I'm ready to go. But why is a HealthMate better than any other infrared sauna? HealthMate are the global market leader in infrared saunas and have been for the last 40 years. They're the only company to offer a patented infrared technology which guarantees that infrared penetrates deep beneath the skin, critical to getting our health benefits. They only use green and sustainable materials on their saunas and are the only company to offer an unconditional lifetime warranty. Personally, I have a two-person cabin, but there are a variety of models, shapes, and sizes that can work for you, all available at health-mate.co.uk. Go to their website to get yours. This is Take Flight with Mark Whittle. Welcome to Take Flight. I'm Mark Whittle, former city worker turned performance coach, and this is your place for inspiration, and education on ways to optimize your performance and find your purpose. The most powerful force in the world is to be consistent with your identity. If the shoes don't fit, take them off. You can lie to everyone else, but you can't lie to yourself. You need to trade your expectations for appreciation. You know, we only live once. When all is said and done, the only thing you have left is your memories. This week, we speak with the incredible Dr. Wallace J. Nichols. Jay is a marine biologist holding a degree in biology and MEM, Masters of Engineering Management in Natural Resource Economics and Policy from Duke University. A doctorate, PhD, in Wildlife Ecology and Evolutionary Biology from University of Arizona, among receiving multiple fellowships for his ongoing work, too many to even mention here, he gained a Lifetime Achievement Award for his work in 2014 and in 2019 was awarded the Nogi, N-O-G-I, Award for Environment, considered the Oscar of the ocean world. He truly is at the top of the world in what he does. A quote from Experience Life magazine said, Dr. Jay Nichols is the world's foremost authority on the mental health benefits of spending time in, near, on, or underwater. Jay coins the term blue mind, the effects that water has on our minds and overall wellness. It's something I've long been aware of, but never really understood the science behind and often wondered whether we as humans know and understand more about that. And today we get to speak to the world leader in the space of understanding how water can help us be happier, healthier, and more creative. Jay wrote his book, Blue Mind, where he connects the leading neuroscientists, psychologists and aquatic experts to explore the physical, ecological, economical, cognitive, emotional, psychological and social benefits of water. Jay then created the Blue Mind Summit, an annual three-day event where scientists, explorers, 
artists, athletes, practitioners and advocates come together to present their insights and knowledge of what they understand about water. I've been so looking forward to sharing this episode with you and I hope it helps shift your perspective around what water can do for us and how it can have real impact in our life. I feel so connected to sharing more stories like this too, which are all created by me to help all you listeners be happier and healthier and more fulfilled. If you sat on the beach and felt happier, if you've come out of swimming and felt a different high, even if you've sat thinking and imagining the peaceful sensation of water, you will know exactly what we're talking about here. I can't wait for you to listen to this without further ado. Please enjoy Dr. Wallace J. Nichols. Jay, welcome to the Take Flight Podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Good to be here. Yeah. Where in the world are you? I am currently on the uh, Monterey Bay in California. I'm just mm-hmm. actually right behind your head is is the bay. <laughs> so oh, if nice. I look, if I'm gazing off over your head, it's uh, it's because I'm looking at the water. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. If only I was actually there and it was really behind me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Quick story. I, I actually lived in a America for a couple of years. I, I had a soccer scholarship in Ohio, but originally the, the scholarship offer was in Monterey Bay. So I was like oh. this close to <laughs> to living there for a couple of years, um, which sadly it changed and I ended up in Ohio surrounded yeah. by fields. Yeah. Uh, we won't <laughs> dig on Ohio. I'm, I, I like the Midwest and it's got some great lakes and rivers and you know, no ocean, but obviously. Yeah. Well, look, I'm so pleased that you're here. I, I First, you want to say I loved your book so much, which is what led me to reach out to you in the first place. Like you can really, really tell the depth, and I guess what just what went into it. Obviously, I think a lot of it you've you've built up over time with your studies, but you can just really tell that there's so much in there, and it was amazing for someone like myself who's so fascinated in that stuff to to go through. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's always nice to get feedback from people who actually read the whole, you know the book. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, no, it's superb. It's absolutely superb. And it's it's a subject matter that I've always been really fascinated with, water and just how I feel in water. And I've always been curious and, and thought, am I my own in thinking about how powerful this thing is? Just like when I go on holiday and the first thing I do is step in the sea or when I'm when I go away and I sleep near the sea, I dream more and things like that. And I just, I always had that thought in my mind. And then I read this book, I was like, ah, okay, now it all makes sense. Well, that's, you know, your, your thought is exactly the same thought I had. And then I, I went looking for a book about, you know, your mind and the water connection and um, couldn't find one. I thought there must be mm. a, a, a cool book about this feeling. And I must not be alone in this feeling. And in not finding the book, I ended up uh, writing it after trying to convince some other people that they should write it and, and failing miserably at that. Uh, <laughs> but th- so many people say exactly what you say. I, they felt this connection to water. They couldn't, they didn't have the words to describe it. So they didn't describe it. And they felt kind of alone. Like maybe other people don't feel this way. Turns out, there's a lot of people who feel this way and didn't have the words, you know, to really describe it. And so that really, if, if the book has done anything, it's catalyzed this existing group of people who have this ancient perspective. It's not a new perspective that water makes us feel good. It's across all cultures and all human history. Uh, but it just gave it a, a simple name. You know, if I've done anything, it's just naming something mm. that's very obvious. Yeah, no, it's amazing. So, uh, well, I was going to tell start with an easy one, but maybe it isn't. We'll see. We'll see how we go. So, what is Blue Mind? 
Blue mind, well, like I just said, blue mind is a, just a phrase, just a couple of words put together to describe this feeling, this response, uh, this biological, emotional response to water in all of its forms. It could be the Monterey Bay over here. It could be a lake in Ohio. It could be uh, an image, uh, a painting. Mm. It could be closing your eyes and thinking of the water you love. So uh, an imaginary image. Um, a memory, uh, your bathtub, a foggy morning, um, water in all of its forms, um, shifts us generally to a good place uh, that we call blue mind. If the water is leaking through your roof uh, and dripping on your forehead while you're trying to sleep, that's not blue mind. I, I suppose you could probably make it into blue mind if you you know, <laughs> channeled that water down the wall and called it a, a, a waterfall. Interesting idea there. But Generally, when the water is where you don't want it, that's red mines. So if it's flooding your basement, if it's washing away your community, <laughs> floods, tsunamis, hurricanes, storms, February in the midst of the winter when it's just rainy and misty and uncomfortable and you're soggy, that isn't blue mind. <laughs> I point that out because I, I, I don't take a Pollyannish approach to this conversation. I'm very much aware that water is deadly. Water is fierce. Water is powerful and destructive sometimes. Uh, just make kind of making that clear. But really, to understand blue mind, you do have to understand red mind, which is our agitated, overconnected, overstimulated, fight or flight response. New normal. It really is our new normal. We're overinformed constantly. The flow and stream of information that we need to process is astounding and it's amazing that we can do it at all via all of the media and all of the voices that we hear around us and all the different kinds of screens and billboards and signs and different kinds of monitoring and also everything's at our fingertips every song ever written nearly and every film ever made and image ever created is right at your fingertips in your pocket and so that's red mind and it will chew you up and spit you out if you don't manage it. And that's gray mind. That's sort of like the, the languishing, burnt out, breakdown place that anybody who tries to perform at high levels will get there if they don't manage their red mind. Uh, red mind is incredibly useful. It's powerful. It's how we put someone on the moon and it's how we win anything. It's how we you know, thrive and strive, but it will break you down if it's all you have, especially in this world. So Blue Mind, back to the, your question, uh, is just stepping away, logging off, reconnecting with yourself, reconnecting with others, reconnecting with the world around you, your environment, and moving into a more calm, creative, collaborative, coherent, all these C words, compassionate even, place. And if you imagine yourself in the water you love the most in the world, you know what we're talking about. Water helps get you there almost instantaneously, as you describe right, you know, right at the beginning there, just that, that feeling almost immediately when you see the water, when you hear it, and when you smell it, and then when you touch it, it's you know, game on. You're, you're moving into that, that other mind state. So 
now you don't have to read the book if you're listening. <laughs> you can pretty much got it right there. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think everyone should read the book because even from a neuroscience perspective, right? So I'm, I'm a coach, Jay, so I do a lot of work around the mind and, and, and neuroscience and just the way that everything is mapped out at the early stages of the book as well made it so easy to understand talking about things like neuroplasticity and just generally how the brain works, the areas of the brain that are firing, neural pathways, all that sort of stuff, which I think we, we all have a responsibility to understand our mind right how else are we going to help to understand how we feel and everything else but thank you for that red mind i think every listener is going to be able to resonate with that one of the sort of tipping points for me to to create this and to leave the corporate world was my experience with gray mind my my burnout and actually collapsed in king's cross station that was kind of the sort of final piece of the puzzle i was like i need to change something so gray mind i've experienced as well what is actually happening if you feel free to explain it in as much depth or or little but what's actually happening in in blue mind like what is going on for us so where it's been measured in sort of clinical studies using a variety of approaches so one approach is you ask people how do you feel now okay then we do something and then you say how do you feel now and there are very formal questionnaires that psychologists use routinely that are well established and respected respected. Asking people how they feel has certain limitations. They don't always know. The subconscious is a big place. It's but mostly what your brain is doing, you're not aware of subconscious. So we have other tools that can look at how you feel. So heart rate, breathing rate, skin temperature. You can look at uh, cortisol levels, stress hormones in saliva, in blood, uh, you can look at overall overall wellness measures, a variety of ways, as as you know, to measure a, a person, an athlete's sort of physical health. Uh, but then we can go deeper into um, what the brain is doing and use and measure electricity using an EEG, measure oxygen using an fMRI. And so the best studies kind of put that all together. And, and in my book, I tried to pull from everything that was available. And at the time, which, you know, almost you know, seven years ago, there wasn't a lot. So it was a lot of dot connecting. So what, what we do know is that as soon as you see the water, even before you touch it, your heart rate starts to slow down. Your, your, your body and your mind begin to prepare for a possible uh, immersion. And this is a mammalian dive reflex that occurs naturally in us. So we, we kind of um, conserve resources in order to take a plunge into potentially cold water for maybe an extended period. So that's our, our, our inner mammal responding to the, to the signal of water. Of course, when we do that, when we do get in the water, it may feel like a shock, but your body is actually um, getting ready for, for that experience. So heart rate slows, breathing rate starts to slow, you become uh, sort of more, more focused. But what psychologists refer to is something called soft fascination. So there's, there's a softness to the focus, if that makes sense. And if you imagine the water that you love, these descriptors do make sense. And in that place of sort of a more calm, softly fascinated, Right when soft fascination means your it the water holds your attention, but it doesn't demand processing. It's not throwing language and faces and information at you, or very little. 
but it's fascinating you. And so it holds you in this sort of mesmerized kind of place. Uh, and you don't just check out, you don't just go to sleep. Your, your brain shifts into a different mode that we call blue mind, which is more prone to creativity. If you're in fight or flight mode, you're probably not going to drop a poem or a new song lyric <laughs> or have like a deep insight. You're going to like haul ass is what you're going to do, or you're going to hit hard or, you know, you're going to break through something and that's great. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you do need to be creative and be collaborative and, uh, uh, have compassion for yourself as you know, you, you point out, otherwise you will literally lose consciousness in the middle of a, maybe a street in, in your office, in in your living room. So that's kind of what happens with, with blue mind. And it's, it's fa fairly straightforward now, now that we have the tools to measure what your body and your mind does in response to the world ar around us. And it's very similar to sort of a, what people experience in meditation in mindfulness training. As you know, athletes of all kinds are using those techniques. So water basically is a, you could call it a crutch, you could call it a tool, you could call it a ramp up to that calm, mindful place. You know, a lot of people can't really get there just closing their eyes and sitting quietly. They struggle, but the water can help. The water can actually help you get to that mindful place. And then maybe you might be able to do it without the water eventually. And so it's, uh, it's very, very connected to the mindfulness work that we see going on kind of everywhere these days. Yeah. It's so great to hear, you know, you just reminded me of something actually I'd forgotten about this, but when I was in my teens, I was fortunate enough. My parents took me to, to California. We went to Carlsbad, like a little surf town, Carlsbad, <laughs> which is not too far from, from you down the road a bit yeah, yeah yeah but there's a there's a bit kind of when you overlook the sea and it's very calm there anyway a lot a lot of the california those kind of surf towns are but like the the rolling waves are just coming in really gently and it was an image that stayed with me for such a long period of time and i didn't don't think i even realized at the time but it was in moments when i was feeling stressed or probably low-grade anxiety which i didn't realize i had when i was younger I would think about that. I'd visualize the waves and it would make me feel better. Or if I couldn't sleep, I'd visualize the waves and it would, it would help. So it's really interesting that we don't even have to be in the water, physically in there. We can just kind of get that blue mind state from just visualizing as well. That's right. I break it down into these various categories. One, of course, is the wild water, you know, the, the lakes, the rivers, the oceans, the waterfalls, the rain. Uh, the domestic water, water in your home, the pools, the tubs, uh, the showers, the garden hose, um, water that passes through some sort of system and is managed. Then there's the urban water. So the urban waterfronts and the, and the fountains that are available throughout your day, perhaps if you live in a city or a town that has take, taken some time to sort of create those, those public places. But to your point, there's also the virtual water. So it could be a painting, it could be a song, a poem. I love Pablo Neruda, the Chilean poet who writes about the sea a lot, but mm -hmm. people have their favorite songs and, and, and inspiring water bits that come in a dry form. Let's just put it that way. And then the last one is not just um, virtual, it's, it's an imaginary water. And that's the water you just described. It, comes from a place of experiencing wild water, the Pacific Ocean, 
uh, it created a formative memory, very clear in your mind, multi-sensory formed memory that you can pull up anytime, anywhere when you need it. That's powerful stuff right there. I mean, to have an experience with nature that creates a vivid, useful memory that then becomes a tool, a place for you to go when you need it uh, to calm, to s slow your heart rate, to calm your mind, to f help you focus, to get you into a place that's calm, collaborative, compassionate, creative, uh, instead of that red mind. That's really something all human beings should have in their toolkit. And uh, it's not expensive. <laughs> it's not like, you're like, okay, you need a, you know, a new iPhone or you need a big truck or some piece of equipment for your toolkit that's expensive. This is, this is, you know, the hardware and software, you've got it already. You just need to use it better. Yeah, I love that idea of just helping people get to this blue mm -hmm. mind place, utilizing the memories that are already on board and just maybe digging a little bit into them and mm. curating them mm. a little bit. Yeah, thanks for mapping those out as well, Jake. It's funny, I've probably done maybe 140 episodes and a good portion have spoken about the shower being their kind of sanctuary. <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting, really interesting. I hear that a lot. And here's my here's a, like a pro tip or a hack for you. If the shower is both your sanctuary and maybe your muse, maybe it's a source of mm. good ideas, and, it, and almost everyone I know has said, yeah, I've had, I had a great idea in the shower and then I forgot it by the time I dried mm -hmm. off and got to a, a notebook or my laptop. So the, the hack is put a, uh, a soap crayon in your shower and write on the wall. If you have an idea that you say, this is brilliant. I don't want to forget it. You will forget it. You, I promise you'll forget it jot down an acronym or a, a note like a, it could be one word just so you don't forget it and then when you get out of the shower and you can find you know your your smartphone take a little picture of the wall because that will wash off eventually like immediately but it's just a fun way to kind of say hey the shower is my sanctuary but it's also a place where i generate ideas that i don't want to lose you don't want to bring your notebook into the shower obviously or your phone uh so a soap crayon will do the trick and just put it there on the shelf and uh when you need it you get you have it yeah yeah perfect all right i'm getting a soap crayon for sure <laughs> <laughs> i don't sell soap crayons i don't know who, who does exactly but I have a you few. should you should <laughs> is there a is there a prescription so to speak i know i you know i try not to generalize in this show too much we all want that kind of blanket prescription for everything, don't we, to be better. But is there a prescription or an amount of time that we should be in water or around water or an ideal that we should aspire to? There's a there's a whole bunch of studies that have come out to try to uh, put a prescriptive narrative around nature-based therapies of all, of all kinds. Some say, you know, 10 minutes, three times a week, 20 minutes. Uh, in a few hours, you can really change your change your mind state you know, I think it's very, very individualistic. It's very personal. And so what I tend to do is just help people walk through a simple process of what basically what we've been doing here, 
remind yourself of the water that you can get to. If I said, uh, I want you to be standing next to some water that you enjoy in less than an hour, go. Where would you go? So maybe there's five choices. Maybe there's just one. Make that list. If I say, I want you to, what's the list if you had a little bit more time to get there? that maybe you could go once a month. It's maybe a weekend kind of thing or a day trip. Maybe there's one that's once a year or once in a lifetime. Where would that be? Maybe you have to save up some money and make, make a bigger plan. But what, then let's go right down that list. So that's the wild water. What about the water in your home or in your community, the pools, the tubs, the showers? Make that list. And then how about your virtual water? Do you have a, a song or a playlist that you, that's your go-to? or a recording of the water you love, just a simple audio recording of, of a creek or a waterfall or an ocean wave. Then we go to the, the imagined water and let's just remember all of the vivid water-based memories that you have that are positive. And now you've got this list and the suggestion is practice blue mind daily in some, in some form, even if it's 15 seconds. And the trick there is, is kind of like, the, you know, as you know, the habit building is, is if you say, okay, I'm going to run a marathon, I'm going to start running long distance tomorrow. It's not going to happen. Uh, but if you say, I'm going to walk around the block on day one and then walk around the block twice in week two, you, you trick your brain into saying, this is easy. I got this. And it is, is new habits. So if I say 15 seconds a day of blue mind, inevitably 15 seconds turns into 15 minutes and 15 minutes turns into a habit and the habit turns into a practice and now you have a blue mind practice that you really enjoy that didn't come from a an author, authoritative prescriber it came from you like it came from within you it came from your community your preferences and the chances for success and longevity, longevity of practice go way up when it isn't some a doctor saying, here's what you should do because it's good for you. Uh, I know that as a parent. <laughs> I know what works with my kids, my teenage daughters, and I know it with myself. Mm. Um, and the psychology, you know, the research is clear. Like how do you, mm. how do you create positive behavior changes that last and that stick and that become practices? Well, it isn't... Um, is making people feel bad and telling them it's going to be really hard and here's your prescription necessarily, especially around this topic because it is such a, there's so much joy and there's so much awe involved and to add anything that feels edgy or aggressive to it seems inappropriate. Um, so that's what I like to, I like to do is just work with people. And as a coach, you know that that is likely to lead to a good outcome rather than like, you should do this. Here's your prescription. And here's the research that backs it up. Uh, if it comes from within and is sort of formed mm. through an iterative process that is very personal and, and resonates, chances for success go way up. So that would be my approach to your, your question about how much, how often. Yeah. And we can drill down into the, the studies of the prescriptive approach but there's some inconsistencies to what they say so i would just say add it to your life pay attention to what works what feels good if you struggle with sleep try water sounds uh, try a, a warm bath followed by ocean sounds 
and you know shut down your devices take a nice long warm bath put on some ocean sounds and you know black out your room hmm. and see if that helps you sleep and if it does you can start playing around a little bit with how long of a bath do you bring the crayon or not <laughs> hmm. <laughs> you know what kinds of water sounds work best and kind of play with it make it fun and it is fun that's i guess the really the key is so it's so enjoyable when you find your your recipe you know your water that makes you happy and and mm. um, calm so yeah i i wonder how critical it is i know you're saying like a blue mind practice daily really but you know we are like 60 plus percent water as humans the world is 70 plus percent water like to not be around it i, I feel like we have to be around it you know we've you know generations ago always settled around water had to for survival and it was such an important part of our life like being landlocked is i'm, I'm landlocked when you're saying that you know think of somewhere an hour away it's all lakes which is still great you know but it's all lakes most of them man-made lakes as well but you know kind of love to be by the coast at some stage and live and live by the sea i you know i i'm pretty ecumenical uh, when it comes to you know the, the categories of water i man-made lakes engineered lakes yes little skinny creeks and seeps little waterfalls great big rivers big oceans awesome go out in a rainstorm with the right gear and just play in it uh you know I, there's a movement in the uk to create more public pools mm. swimming area act more access it's it's happening more people are doing wild swimming the, the closest lake to where you are have you ever jumped in it in the winter if not do that like try that be safe you know be be legal and safe uh, or at least safe and uh and swim <laughs> yeah. across it you know have you ever touched the bottom of it why not and so the more of course safety is is a concern always i want to make sure i highlight that but the more we're in our water and the more we're looking at it and going how do i how do i get in there what's at the bottom what who what other creatures live here? Can I swim with them? You know, if a little turtle swims by or fish or a duck, it's kind of cool. And so that's, that's kind of happening, mm. you know, and, and I think uh, colleagues in the UK are kind of leading that in a, in a way, spreading this idea of just get in the water more. If it's cold, you're going to be cold, but be prepared to get warm. Yeah. And it's so healthy uh, in so many ways. So, you know, while, while I think this idea of blue mind sometimes leads people to yearn for the blue, big blue ocean, I hope it also helps them appreciate the small pond at the end of the lane or uh, an urban waterfront or uh, a beautiful fountain that they walk past on the way to work every day but never stop. Grab someone and sit by the fountain and have a conversation and listen mindfully to the sound of the water and just see it, see how that goes it's it's wonderful and um and as a result when we when we start paying more attention to these this all this water as you say it covers most of the planet makes up most of our body it is the mm -hmm. source of all life it makes our planet special we start paying more attention to it the value and the perceived value of those waterways goes up 
And I believe we will take better care of them and we will safeguard them and restore them. And when we do that, there's more blue mind. There's more access, you know? So if you have a cruddy river that's toxic running through your city and you get to work on it and in 10 years or 20 years, you can paddle on it and it's enjoyable to look at, that transforms your whole town from, from the heart out. It, it, it will be the heart of the city. When that river is, is dead, it's, it's like having a dead heart. Uh, it's not healthy. So we've seen that in, in towns and cities all over the world when they've prioritized the health of the water in their town. Um, it has a ripple effect economically, ecologically, but the emotional health of communities, uh, it's a regenerative uh, feedback loop that's um, probably the most important thing you can do, uh, I think. I'm slightly biased, <laughs> but it's, uh, given that water is the source of all life, I think you know it's a pretty easy argument. To make mm. and uh, yes, if like a return to source, isn't it? What's your favorite way to experience blue minds? Like you know, if you can choose, what's your best way to do it? I you know I with my kids, anything, literally anything, literally any. Uh, you know, they're getting older. They're te- teenage, well, twenty and seventeen daughters, and um, I see our time diminishing because they have they're interested in the, their lives in the world and they're amazing uh and the time we get to spend together is more and more precious and i just want to be in on near any water with them anytime and it doesn't matter really if it's a, a little pool and like a cheap hotel it's like let's get in there and just talk or a hot tub or the pacific ocean the daughter who's in upstate New York and everything's frozen. And so just playing in the snow, which is water with her, what a joy that would be, you know, I, and that, you know, that may resonate with people like being in the water with those you cared about the people you love while you can, you know, while they're living or while they're in your proximity or while you're falling in love. And there's an element of blue mind that connects to romance. It's almost a cliche, right? You know, that, honeymoons where you go to the water where you propose or have ceremonies by the water there's a romantic aspect that's not coincidental so yeah my water would be more about the the who rather than the what or where and i have two dads adoptive and biological dads and they both loved water and being in the water with them at different times throughout their lives uh just really good you know, really having those, the imaginary water and the memories, those memories are some of my best ones. And I'm hoping I'm passing that along to my kids. So someday when I'm gone, they'll say swimming with dad was really great. You know, being near the water with dad was really great. So I want to make more of those. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow, thanks, Jay. I, I was I was reading on your website the kind of timeline of of standout events. Somebody you mentioned, I think her name was Deborah, and you said that she taught you a lot about memories. But what what is it? I'm so fascinated with memories and how they shift over time and and how we hold on to them in whatever way we decide to make that memory last. Like, 
what do you understand about memories that you think we can all benefit from? Mm, I, I think one of the ideas of many would be take the time like, to consciously and purposefully create really rich multi-sensory memories that you will utilize when you need them. And that may mean when you're flat out on your back in a hospital bed and you need to go deep into one of those memories or when you're just stressed out at work whenever you need it. But I, I think we generally give, give up that role to the professionals, the filmmakers, the TV show people, the musicians, and they, mm. they create the creative stuff that we consume. And then those are sort of kind of cheap memories, right? Mm -hmm. And I ask, I ask kids all the time, what's the best thing that happened on TikTok this week? They don't remember. <laughs> it's like junk food kind of, and it's entertaining for sure. And they're talented people for sure, but it's, it's shallow and cheap and very time consuming in our modern society, that, that social media stuff. So in contrast, take the time and make, you know, those memories like the one you have looking off the bluffs in Southern California at the seemingly slow moving, you know, steady, uh, cadence of waves, let that you know, burn in, you know, to your psyche. And, uh, I think that's, it's so important. You know, I, I ask young people when I lecture to, you know, high school kids who owns your nostalgia. And they're just first at first confused. Like, what do you mean? Like who owns my, I say who, okay, who should own your nostalgia? And, uh, should it be, Apple? <laughs> should it be uh, Spotify? Should it be Netflix? No, it should be you. The deep memories that you rely on, especially later in life when you start really slowing down and let me be less mobile. So build those things, you know, and those come from lived experiences in great places, making your own music, growing and making your own food with people you care about and for them. It's pretty simple stuff, but it, I think a, a cultivation of memories now for use in the future is something that I think we should talk about that. Well, we are talking about it, but we should discuss that as kind of a, a thing you want to do. These are little quick digital entertainment you know, chunks of media are not going to cut it. The internal emotional, mental cognitive life that each of us is living is important and there's there's a lot going on in each of our heads a powerful force for goodness and healing and creativity or it can be full of barriers and and fear you know so make those memories make them really clear and really good and with all of your senses and helps when you kind of leave the devices mm. behind when you're doing that. Yeah. You know? so, sounds like so much of what you're saying is like presence driven, like really being there, experiencing it. And these, like you're saying, these little like short bites of entertaining media and content takes us out of the present moment. We're, we're kind of consumed and sucked into our phones or whatever mm. the thing might be on that particular day. But the water brings you back into mm. presence. Like our senses bring us back into the present moment. So, yeah. Well, and the interesting thing about the media thing is 
the person who made that media was present. Mm -hmm. You're you're consuming their memories. You're consuming their creative ideas. They were intentful and present and rehearsed and occasionally very talented (laughs) and uh, edited and perhaps even mindful about making the content. But you're just kicking back consuming it. Mm. Uh, So they have a memory perhaps of what they were doing, which is great for them, but it's just mere entertainment for you. Hmm. So, you know, it's kind of like, get, well, get out there and go do, do your version of that. Not because you want to post it necessarily, but just to, you know, post it here yeah. you know, forever. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's, yeah, it's an interesting perspective that, you know, we are sort of outsourcing our, our memories and our creativity and our nostalgia mm-hmm. to professionals. Yeah, Jay, it's huge. I've, I've spoken about this a few times where like, you know, it's awful, but our mind is being trained in such a strange way where I, I recognize in myself that I'll be going to an event and I'll already be thinking about the image I'm going to capture to post. So that's, that's an example of my nostalgia being owned by, in that case, maybe Instagram or whoever else is going to have the picture on their you know, their platform. So it's scary. That's why I've, I've had to do like digital detoxes and get away from that. And my happiness just mm. surges. Like I become a different person or, or I will become myself. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that I, and everybody has got to figure out how to, how to manage that. If your career involves some amount of media, well, great, do it. And then stop doing it and go have a, a real lasting memory that doesn't involve looking at the world through a screen or a script or a, a post and that's a weird like that's a weird mm-hmm. little lens to put on your life yeah and it, you know i tell my kids like when you're my age instagram won't exist i'm pretty sure hmm. other things will and so think about that just for a minute while you're devoting hours of, of the day mm-hmm. to something that won't exist you know get usurped or just become irrelevant so that's yeah i I totally agree with you it's so important the the digital detox and just to remind yourself what it feels like to you know not not have that extra chatter going on and yeah and water is really helpful like your technology and water are not really good friends yeah so you get in the water and it's not only a digital detox it's a place for privacy and solitude if you need it yeah (laughs) and quiet and if you slip under the water for a little bit, it's like, it's the greatest piece yeah. that we have to offer and your screen doesn't work very well and you should just leave it on the, on land and uh, all the voices and all the information just kind of fades away and doesn't seem so important. You know, the further out you go into the water, the deeper you go. So yeah, push off the shore once in a while and paddle around or swim around and give your, give your brain a break. And you know, the, people who have achieved a lot in whatever realm they're working in, they seem to know that intuitively. Like you see, they take breaks by the water. It's, and again, it's almost cliche and it's, and it seems like a luxury thing that the rich and famous gravitate towards. Um, But we can all have that wherever we are. It's sort of the, the point that I'm always trying to make is access to blue mind for everybody. And by everybody, I mean, 8 billion people, mm-hmm. not just like everybody that listens to podcasts or everybody 
in California, 8 billion people yeah. should have access to their blue mine. And that's up to us to figure out how to make that happen. You know, I read that you said you felt called to do the work that you do. Often what we talk about on this podcast is purpose and being called to something and, and going on that hero's journey, so to speak. Is this your purpose? It feels like it. Like I said, when I wrote Blue Mind, I, I first tried to get other people to write it and I, that did not happen. And I want to read too much into that. It just people didn't find it as compelling as I did. And I, I guess I wasn't able to convince them. I just find it fulfilling and fascinating and deeply intellectually in, interesting. I find the science fascinating. And I find it really useful personally for myself and for my family and for my friends. But what keeps that the journey going is hearing from people, hearing you know, your story. That it inspires me to make sure that there's, there's nobody who's just about to burn out and fall down on the ground in the middle of their day. Make sure they know about the, this idea that it, it might help them. Like, you know, thinking about your situation, could Blue Mind have intervened before you hit that that gray mine? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you just needed to hit that wall and then have that sort of rebuild. There's so much need. I mean, there's so after this past two years, the need is overwhelming. And I don't know about a hero's journey, but I I know there's a lot of people who are in a lot of pain. And I, and I know something that can help mm. them at least a little bit. So I, I'd be an idiot if I just sat here and didn't share it. So it's like, how do we get this simple, universal, ancient idea? One of the oldest ideas of all ideas is that water is medicine for your body and your mind. Mm. And how do we get that simple idea in, into everybody's hands? And so, I, you know, it's... It doesn't feel heroic or courageous or it feels like a purpose and sometimes a calling, <laughs> but uh, it's led me to have conversations yeah. like this and meet people uh, who have, you know, surfed their way to health, for example, <laughs> and, uh, and be able to, you know, contribute to their healing is, mm. um, it's a good way to live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've uh, uh, we were talking earlier about the kind of that self discipline, making those decisions ourselves, own, owning that as well, which is far more mm -hmm. far more beneficial, but also has that longevity, right? Because it's our decision to do it. I find with myself that when I understand the science more, it helps me to hold on to it because I'm I really understand why. I know there's a lot to it. Could you could you kind of summarize the science of what is going on? Yeah, so you know the in interesting. Before we go to the science, this kind of tension between, so just to focus on, on blue mind as a concept, there's a magic to it. And then there's this resistance to when you bring the science to explain the magic and the awe. Okay. People okay. may not want the science because they, they feel that that will reduce mm. the mystery and the magic. And it turns out it's the opposite, I think. I think when you have some a better handle on what's going on, it makes more magic. So like you make the island of knowledge larger, there's more beach to explore. This is probably the simplest way of putting it. And that's that's how I think about it. And it, and Celine Cousteau, Jacques Cousteau's granddaughter, wrote the foreword to Blue Mind. 
and it's lovely because she she kind of takes you through her resistance to explaining the magic and then her giving into it and then her understanding after hanging out with neuroscientists and psychologists that wow that's really cool it's really helpful and then she kind of concludes it and say her grandpa would be doing would be into this which is like the greatest compliment for for me as a marine biologist mm-hmm. really i you know I, I think i think like i said earlier that the science really connects to a lot of other realms like the science of mindfulness the work that's done on music therapy um so there are all these other realms that don't involve water that i think are are completely relevant the there's a, been a lot of work on green space so how nature the green parts of nature can can restore us help restore us and help our minds um so when you take all of those those different realms that don't seem to have anything to do with water and draw connect the dots between them you kind of get a a better feel for how this conversation fits into the whole and i that's i tried to do that in the book and i think you you kind of picked up on that to place this conversation within a constellation of peer conversations or peer topics be it mm-hmm. equine therapies and mindfulness or uh, the role of music in you know healing uh so that's that's part of part of the science process is connecting the dots between the existing work generating questions cool new questions that have not not been wrestled with yet and then putting those out there for the the next generation of of researchers to kind of take on from my perspective um, there is enough research for us to move strongly to action and practice and there will be lots and lots more research going on one of the areas if if people want to kind of find a place to dig into the peer review literature on blue mind broadly one of the best uh, examples of ongoing research is on float therapy people have taken to floating in shallow hypersaline warm dark water in these pods in these float spas and it's you know anecdotally and through experience lots of stories of how well it works for some people in, in a variety of ways be it veterans and first responders or athletes creative people stressed out people jet lagged people but this guy justin feinstein at the laureate institute for brain research and you can look him up and find all his his work on google scholar took got some funding built the two best float tanks in the world in my opinion in his laboratory in tulsa oklahoma paired them with fmri brain scanners and started a a series of experiments within this larger institute and on another floor of the institute uh the focus is on anxiety disorders eating disorders um which turns out are among the the deadliest uh mental health concerns you know in the world and then one of the other floors is focused on post-traumatic stress treatment and, and and research so basically he recruited patients essentially to be part of his studies and uh what he's found is that the float therapy is among the best treatments really the best at least supplementary treatments to 
uh, help people dealing with depression and anxiety and anxiety disorders of, of all kinds, not to mention people who are just mildly <laughs> depressed or languishing or just a little bit anxious. So if you're, if you're interested in really digging into the, the primary literature, that's, a, that's extreme blue mind in action, I would say. You know, putting yourself in a soundproof, lightproof, hypersaline body of water for an hour or 90 minutes is like, that's extreme blue mind. Very different from looking at a photograph on the wall or looking at a fish tank, but very effective. And exciting things coming in that realm, I think that that eventually leads to uh, a more mainstream application of things like flotation therapy, where hospitals start installing flotation spas and pools, therapeutic pools in, you know, in their basement so that people dealing with physical and emotional health issues uh, have a place to go with a, a therapist and experience blue mind mm. and then take it take it home with them just like other physical physical therapies and that's one of the places where the research is rigorous and then the application is the potential application there's a there's a map there that is pretty exciting yeah sounds great sensory deprivation tanks have been something i've used for a while did you remember off the top of your head was there a frequency he suggested or found in his study that that worked you know he, what he did I believe there were weekly sessions okay. for three weeks for the study. And, you know, he's trying to fine tune what you might refer to as dosage of float, float tanks. And again, my recommendation is personalize it. You know, what I tell people who are new to it yep. is go, go to your local float place, ask for the best discount they can give you for three floats put them on your calendar and then do them. Mm -hmm. And it could be three floats over the course of two weeks or a month, or if you have to in the same week, because the first time you do it, it's weird straight up. Mm -hmm. It's just, you're like, <laughs> what the heck? Like, how did, how did those guys convince me to do this? I was listening to a podcast. Now I'm in this thing. What the heck? <laughs> and you, you will eventually settle down. The next time you do it, you're like, okay, I know, I know where to hang my towel. I know, I know how this works. I know how to get in and out. And you relax into it a little more. And then the third time, you feel like a little bit like a pro. Like you're like, this is, this is kind of interesting. Before you pass judgment on the whole, the whole thing, give, your, give yourself three sessions. At the very, very worst, you'll have a, a cool story to tell about this weird new thing you did, like, like skydiving. You know, it's like I floated. It, it was weird. I hallucinated, whatever. Mm. On the other end, maybe it's like you're a new tool. Maybe it unlocks something that you needed unlocking. Maybe it helps you cope. Maybe it helps you really relax. Uh, different people have different experiences. And then you you know, start to figure out where, where it fits into your life. If someone said, oh, you need to float for an hour a week, I, you know, I would say maybe you don't. I mean, it's, it's not free necessarily. So maybe once a month, maybe twice a month, or maybe every day, maybe you need to buy a float tank hmm. and like, and you know, remove the dining room table and put it right there <laughs> and uh, get rid of your TV and uh, replace it with a float tank. 
some people have done that yeah that's interesting you, you, you're talking when you're saying like it's the individual approach right you're figuring it out but that first experience is is so strange but it sounds like that's one end of the scale and then the, the hedonic habituation that you spoke about in the book which i've used so many times since i first read the book because it just it resonated with me so much about how we experience things especially routine things but yeah so, somewhere finding a way somewhere in a comfortable midway where you're kind of not like in that hedonic habituation but you're, you're not shocked by the first experience either yeah one and one way to avoid that habituation is you know when you travel go find a float a float spa because hmm. it'll be a little bit different the different styles of float tanks different people different city it'll it'll change it up somewhat but still keep the the constant which is the salt water and the temperature for the most part and you know just changing it up a little bit here and there sometimes i'll float and stretch like really i'll just say okay i i really just want to move more stretch and and sometimes i'll float and i'll have one specific problem i want to think about a lot and that's not to, st to say that i'm able to keep my mind focused on that one problem but i'll go into it with a mm -hmm. with something a little extra rather than let's just see what happens and, and and you know really i have to say every time yeah it's a little bit different it's a little bit the same it's a little bit different and there's always a little bit of a surprise of what my brain does while it's you know in that little chamber you know one time i did a 60 minute float in chicago yeah and it felt literally like i had 68 hour naps like each minute felt like a full night's sleep and i would like i feel like i fall asleep and i'd wake up and think that they forgot about me and i'd been in there all day and then i'd fall asleep again and i'd wake up and it it maybe not have been 60 of them but a whole dozens of naps that felt really long and they were minutes <laughs> and it was it was just like over and over and over i took these big long seeming naps that were little tiny naps hmm. and it was so restful it was like i went on a month-long vacation and had nothing to do but eat rice and surf or something and hmm. and it was 60 minutes in downtown chicago in the winter time <laughs> It's like just wild, you know. Amazing. So yeah, I think one of the applications of these ideas, along you know, along with maybe the less exotic sounding things, like going down to your local water and go make a recording of the water that you like to listen to in your community, and then listen to it, and then send it to somebody and tell them why you're sending it to them. Just simple thing. Maybe send it to them for Valentine's Day. Things like that. Just really, really simple ways of kind of putting these ideas into practice. But meanwhile, you know, you, you asked about the science, you asked about the prescriptive aspects. It's happening. I mean, this is, we're seeing it showing up, you know, in, with medical professionals, taking it, these ideas seriously putting it into the in, into their professional worlds. Um, I just got a Google alert the other day, major healthcare provider in the US called Blue Cross Blue Shield, um, put out a video about Blue Mind as a, a, a training thing for their staff mm. without attribution, without collaboration, which makes me so happy because it's the goal, mm. you know, to, to have it become common knowledge, remove the barriers, you know, non-proprietary concepts, and that's a whole other conversation. But 
to see yeah. professionals take these ideas, to see coaches, you know, incorporate this as just one of many tools they have mm-hmm. uh, to work with their clients is uh, is just really great. Mm-hmm. It helps people a lot, and then they in turn hopefully take better care of their waterways. That's so important, you know. Mm-hmm. Thanks, George. But I, I have to reference the art on the wall behind you. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite number. And uh, one reason is because of yeah. that guy. I, I grew up uh, in high school in Chicago going and watching him play at Old Chicago Stadium. Oh, no way. And uh, before they tore it down and built the United Center. But it was a cool old stadium. And he wow. he would be in perfect flow state, score more points than anybody really ever Hmm. was scoring in a game setting records and then they'd lose Hmm. and that that is uh the reason i bring it up is that's part of what i'm working on now is this uh, concept of groove the science of groove maybe a next book michael jordan can be in flow and then they don't even go to the playoffs and he sets records he is the epitome of flow but the team loses and uh it kind of this idea that you can be in a blue mind state but if those around you are not well good for you Hmm. sad for the world uh but if we can all go together and and i it's kind of moving from flow which is very individual experience and really useful powerful to groove which is when we flow together and you feel it, you know, you probably feel it sometimes with clients, you feel it with teams, you feel it with podcasts, you feel it with your own, yeah. with your community, with your family, with your friends. If you play music, you know, when you're grooving, it's like your, your feet leave the floor and you know, everybody's at their absolute best and you're communicating on a nonverbal level. And it's just, it's beautiful and it's rare, you know, and you, you see it with teams as well and you feel it with any kind of group you know any 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 kind of community mm. it's co- coherence right coherence, coherence when we're right. all, all kind of in that blue mind state together yeah and mm. you can't do that all the time you shouldn't do it all the time but when you want to do it there should be in maybe a recipe and that's kind of what i'm working on right now is okay uh and maybe next book but i call it groove Okay. You know, groove state. Flowing together is is groove. And uh hmm. and Jordan, you know, the Bulls, when they got they put the team together and they got a great coach who understood that, you know, he Phil Jackson understood groove, whether he called it that or not. Mm-hmm. Steve Kerr, who coaches the Golden State Warriors, understands groove, whether he calls mm-hmm. that or not. And uh yeah. so that's kind of yeah, maybe that's Maybe another episode with come, we can come back and, and talk about what I think the yeah. recipe for groove is. And Would love to. Would love to. I, I, oh, yeah. I have Phil yeah. Jackson's book here, Eleven Rings. He talks it. It's because it's a lot of these are like kind of Buddhist practices, which again we can we call it Buddhism, but it's like you said, they're ancient things that have just been forgotten over time. Um, but no, thanks for that. So much that came up. I'm good. Throughout. I just yeah. want to check, Jay. Yeah. How are you for time? Because I'm just conscious we've gone over. You okay? I might go for like ten sure. more minutes. Sounds good. And then when we talk about prescriptions, the things that stood out were kind of, you know, the flotation therapy, the surf therapy, which is becoming more of a thing, you know, even over here, all sorts of different things that we can do. So I appreciate that. And then when we 
when we look at the science because i get so fascinated and maybe sometimes i overthink these things yeah. but i get fascinated at things like how our lungs and the sort of bronchioles and stuff if you turn them upside down they look like trees mm-hmm. and how like when we breathe we inhale and we exhale and that's kind of like the waves on the shore coming in and out and there has to be some science but i'm also aware that it is nice to leave the magic even as you were you were speaking earlier about the memories like it suddenly made me realize i proposed to my wife next to a river in banff in canada in the snow like a lot of my childhood memories are like when rain surprised you in a football match or on holiday and in these places like where you suddenly are kind of thrust into the water when you didn't ex- expect it and stuff like that so yeah it's really special you know the the science of play is if you people are interested in you know that aspect and playfulness and water is such a playful element in, in many ways, uh, whether it's as a snowball or as a, a water balloon or a waterfall or a water slide. You add water to a situation and it becomes more playful. The science of play is, a, you know, sort of grown into a, a fascinating, important field, not just for kids, but for, uh, for adults and for teams and all kinds of, you know, creative people. I asked the the community at large to send me ways that they practice blue mind, and, I, and I, I made a list of their responses. I got to a hundred, and I kind of drew the line there. But sit by a fountain, skip stones, go to a float tank, surf, take a long bath, uh, build a snow person, which is the PC way of talking about snowman. <laughs> Get a bird bath, teach someone to swim. Take a cold plunge, go whitewater rafting, get a desk fountain, watch the clouds or fog roll by, um, take a steam room or sauna, paint with watercolors, uh, visit a splash park, get in a hot tub or jacuzzi, swim with a dog, try underwater virtual reality, uh, put a Blue Mind sticker in your water bottle, uh, learn about other cultures, water traditions, read page one of Moby Dick, and it just goes on and on. And it's kind of to your point that there's, yeah. you meet people where they are so that we create the practice that will work for each of us is the approach I take. And of course, I don't have a, I'm not a medical doctor. I, I'm, I'm not a licensed therapist. So I, I, I have more flexibility and a different philosophy about that aspect. Of course, the professionals who have to adhere to certain standards um, have to take a different approach. But um, I'm, I'm a little more free to say things like the things I say, and I try to hang on to that freedom, you know? Yeah. Thanks, Jay. That's so good. I actually heard you say as well one time that the best thing you do for your kids is to teach them to love music and and love a good dog yeah and water (laughs) and water of course that goes without saying what a great mix really you know i think if you have that love for music appreciation and maybe even know how to make your own music um and you have a good dog and you have basic competencies in and on water you're rich I mean, that is like, to me, that is like the definition of uh, wealth, rich life. You could go anywhere in the world and connect with animals and connect with uh, music, music traditions and musicians and connect with water wherever you are. And immediately you, you feel at home and you feel, you, 
connect with people and you have friends and um, it's kind of almost an instant social network when you start playing music in a new place, you know, I've traveled a bit and pick up an extra guitar and sit in with some people and have a few beers and all of a sudden you have new best friends. And if there's a dog there and some, and a lake, you're, man, it's magic. So to raise kids, uh, to appreciate that and have some, you know, not saying that everybody needs to be a rock star and Olympic swimmer, but just have basic competencies and confidence, you know, with, with a, a, a musical instrument or their voice and, um, basic, you know, breaststroke <laughs> and the ability to float on your back opens a world, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, a leveler, isn't it? It's like my leveler is, was always football or soccer. Right. Yeah. I don't leave that out. That's, that's another big one. <laughs> yeah. But you know, just like, but for me, some of my best memories of playing, although I played kind of all over the world were on holiday on beaches you know, kickups with people who didn't even speak the same language as me. Yeah. And maybe, maybe the water had a, a part to, well, I'm sure it did. Yeah. Tell me about that more. What, what do you think just, I mean, obviously there isn't, there may be a study that might be a cool study for someone to do sport by water, mm. whether somebody's jogging or biking or walking for exercise yeah. or playing football on the beach. Yeah. I even think of like the San Francisco Giants stadium, baseball stadium by the bay one of the beautiful things is like the home runs go into the water yeah i've been there actually amazing it's yeah. cool and people hang out and and, the, and they always showed on at least on tv they always show the kayakers who are just waiting yeah. for the ball to land in the water the, the barry bond record yeah. home run yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's it's it adds a, a whole very special element to the game to be by the water like that mm -hmm. um for me, it was like so many of these things, it's a combination, isn't it? It's always a combination of things. You know, I was, we, we were just finishing up our degree at university. It was, it was me and seven of my best friends in the world who are still really close with me. So there was that kind of freedom. We, we were, in, to use your terminology, for sure in groove in this kind of very happy place with no responsibility, but we've, and we've left behind the, our studies. And then being, you know, hedonic habituation in a new environment we'd you know we certainly weren't in any habituation so we're on these beaches we'd had no plans we would just turning up the places with backpacks and just staying wherever and we had our football which was all of our most of our, our sport on the beach so maybe it was a combination of all of them but i don't know maybe the, the sun as well the sun plays a part the sun for yeah. sure yeah yeah well i think it i think your point it is it's about the combination listening to music you love by the water or taking a dog to the water with someone, with your friends, with your best friends, with people you love, taking, you know, the ball to the beach hmm. and playing a game against new people, new friends. Uh, it's, it's, it is the combination. The social aspect is a big one. You know, there's a, there's something that the water does when the water helps you get into that mindful place, your social interactions change, right? It's, there's a fluidity to them. There's a more kind of an openness. It's kind of, you know, walking by the water for therapists could, could be transformative to their practice because there's a cadence, there's a coherence. You mentioned that word, the rhythm of walking, the rhythm of the water, the sense of privacy all kind of comes together at least as a 
a wonderful stage for next level uh, interactions, whatever whatever the the theme may be, whether it's a, a sport, a game, or conversation, or a romance. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Jay. I've uh, I've one more question. I mean, to be honest, I have a thousand questions because <laughs> we've talked all about Blue Mind, but I actually could easily do a whole episode just on you, like your your backstory, so fascinating with your adoption and and how that's led you down the path that you've been to. And perhaps we do another one because I'd love to hear all about your own journey and, and the sort of tipping points and turning points of that. Sure. The the last question it might sound like a little bit of a strange one, but it stood out to me. What what was it like working with Pharrell Williams? Oh, right. That guy, talk about Blue Mind. Um, he has a uh, boundless creativity and a, and a kind of fearlessness wrapped in a celebrity, the realities of celebrity, like the protection, layers of protection and all of that. And at the core of it, he, uh, he understands Blue Mind. And he understood it before I coined the phrase. He lived it. Uh, he lived in an apartment complex in Virginia Beach growing up, not a luxury situation. Says that he got his creativity from the water. He got, he got his music from the water, from the rhythm. And he hasn't forgotten that. And so he has this kind of really cool understanding of that aspect of the Blue Mind conversation that, you know, how does water make creativity? How does a creative person make um, hit songs? I mean, sort of, and I love sharing his story and what I learned from him with kids, uh, particularly it, you know, in communities of color who may resonate with him and maybe resonate less, well, way less than they do with me. You know, we talk about that. Like Pharrell says, water gave him his creativity. How does that work? Like what, is he, what does that mean? What does he mean by that? You tell me. And we talk to kids about that and they get it. We made a, a film about plastic pollution and he had strong commitments to people, but also to nature. And uh, he, uh, the film opens with him just sort of riffing on Blue Mind, essentially. And uh, just yeah, really just his way of framing up a, a short documentary film rather than just kind of come in straight at it with the fear and the guilt which most films do that that approach powerfully but maybe less effectively than sort of adding this other dimension but fun guy for sure super creative and I, he's off doing new big things you know related to not just music you know related to design and the materials and wellness and uh amazing yeah Jay, thank you so much. Honestly, it's been it's been such a pleasure. And as I said, I'd I'd love to have another conversation with you to ask some well, many more questions. And may, yeah, maybe that's when it. the next book comes out. When's the plan for that? That'd be super fun. Uh, it's in the works. Actually, I've got a book coming out first later this year. That's a kids' book that I uh, wrote with my daughter. You know, we didn't touch on this, and it's probably a whole other episode in itself. Mm -hmm. uh, we lost our home in a, one of the California wildfires and uh lost our home and everything in it and i i didn't get much out of it before evacuating and my daughter had just left for college the day before and i had to call her and say uh, hey honey the house didn't make it and then she wanted to come home immediately she was just beginning university 
And I just said, stay, you stay, don't come home. There's nothing, there's no home. But I couldn't, I couldn't speak. I was so torn up and telling her it was so hard that I just, I sat down and I cried and wrote, and I wrote this letter to her and the letter has evolved into this book uh, that we, we edited the letter to make it more, more readable for kids and more relevant maybe to others. Wonderful illustrator named Drew Beckmeyer just really put his heart into it and understood, you know, the pre and post fire dynamics, the beauty of, of the idea of home. Mm. So that comes out later this year. I think it will be a healing experience to share it with my daughter, to be able to go do a few book talks to kids about loss. In a, and it isn't a book about wildfire. It's a book about yeah. home and every, you know everybody has lost something recently. A loved one, a career, a dream, a plan, all of those things maybe for some people. And I think we all need to figure out how to grieve and process and deal. Hmm. I don't say that lightly because I'm still figuring it out. Uh, the basic idea of that book is that you, you carry your home with you. It's kind of what we were talking about earlier. You make these memories that become your nostalgia and become just powerfully useful parts of you. That house she, she carries inside of her, it, it grew her up. It raised her, it held her. She's, you know, played and danced and slept and made music in that house. While the house doesn't exist, her home still does. And she carries it in her. And uh, through all of those memories, rich, rich memories uh, from that place. And it's good to remember that, I guess. And that's, so anyhow, mm-hmm. kid's book coming out. It's called Dear Wild Child. And uh, very, you know, very, very personal story yeah wow no i felt i felt that i really felt that when you spoke about that um i felt the same thing when we didn't lose the house my parents moved from our childhood house where we had all of our memories and mm. yeah and and i mean grief is such a huge topic in itself right but thanks yeah i mean i've got an 18 month old daughter so she might be a little bit too small to read that just yet but all of my excitement at the moment is about giving our experiences and a lot of them including water we're going to go on holiday for a few days in february and uh oh we are in february actually time getting away from me later later this month yeah and uh i picked it based off of the kids pool Mm. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah jay thank you so much honestly you know i'd love to i'd love to stay in touch i'd love to do another episode come on when you've released the the kids book that'd be great yeah that'd be great maybe we'll get grace my daughter grace yeah um, and love to join us and we'll we'll work through it together yeah that that'll be really amazing and uh yeah, i'll leave you to enjoy your day in monterey enjoy the sun yeah. and see enjoy your evening thank you Night. very much <laughs> yeah and, and as you say i'll take your words i wish you water i, I wish you water back <laughs> <laughs> all right jay thank you so right. much i really appreciate yeah. it yeah thank you thank you take care cheers thank you so much i really appreciate it thank you cheers thank you so much for listening guys i really appreciate that and thank you so much of course to jay for the amazing advice based over in monterey bay in california it's amazing to speak with him on an evening where it was 9 a.m for him i think it was about 5 6 p.m for me and thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed our conversation there was a few times where we spoke about things there without a bit of context we got excited and didn't explain necessarily what we're talking about one was hedonic habituation 
that was the process of things becoming habitual, you might have been able to piece that together anyway. But if we think of the idea of walking along a beach and it's the first time we've been there, it's a new experience, a new environment, we might feel very happy, blissful even, all the chemicals are going off in our brain because of this new experience and it's amazing, right? We see everything, we experience everything, we're aware of what's going on around us, the waves crashing, the people, the dogs that could be running around, whatever's happening around us, we're very tuned in, we're very present. If we take that same walk for a thousandth time, for example, we don't notice everything. We aren't aware as we were in the first instance because it's become very habitual. That's the term we were talking about earlier on and that's the context behind what we discussed around that. Also, Jay mentioned the picture behind on my wall of Michael Jordan. Uh, it's like a graffiti piece of art and take flight written on the side. And I often get comments about it from the guests when I do the remote episodes, particularly from those from the US. Anyway, there's a little bit of context. I hope you enjoyed that episode. It was hugely powerful for me to listen to it. The book was fantastic. I really encourage you to go and get a copy of his book, Blue Mind. And in the future, I am gonna really, really look forward to releasing more episodes like this with experts in their field that I know are gonna offer value to you listening along. I lost my way in truth a little bit with the podcast last year as I was going through changes myself, leaving the corporate world as you all know, and shifting my focus. And it was very easy to get sucked in and look at what other podcast shows are doing and seeing who they're having on and, and think about maybe getting those sorts of guests and conversations on. But I'm very much aligned with what it is that I'm trying to do now. And these conversations among the amazing athletes and other CEOs, of course, that are still gonna come through, these conversations with these doctors and experts who can really offer a unique view and perspective and understanding on subjects that I know can make us feel better are going to be at the forefront of my mind when I'm thinking about guests for upcoming episodes. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you get out and spend some time in, near, on or underwater soon and start to notice the benefits. Look forward to sharing another episode with you very, very soon. Until then, stay positive, stay motivated and of course, take flight. <laughs>